10,000 years and then forevermore. What a blessing that is. That we can sit there and boldly sing that if we are in Christ Jesus and we have accepted Christ into our hearts and we have made him the Lord and Savior of our lives, that we can spend 10,000 years and then forevermore in heaven with him. What great, great news we heard this morning. Thank you, praise team. That was amazing. I love it. Um, I'm excited for tonight to listen to you guys again. Um, they took my big pulpit down, so I got a little bit nervous. Me and Jim were talking yesterday. I told them if they don't have that big pulpit up here, I don't know. I may end up down there. I don't know. So you have to. <laughs> they were a little nervous about not having that pulpit up here to constrict me this morning. But uh, I promise I'll stay up here, so we'll, we'll be good. Um, if you remember the last time I preached, I talked on uh, uh, being the new you, the brand new you. And we talked about Colossians 3, and we talked about verses 1 through 11. And uh, in that, we talked about what we are to put off, what the new you doesn't look like. We kind of talked about the old you the last time, about a month ago. We talked about the old you. And we talked about putting off things such as sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desires, covetousness, idolatry. We talked about all those things, anger, wrath, malice. And, you know, last week we talked about those things, or the two, a month ago we talked about those things, and it was kind of like, oh man, there's a lot of bad things in there. Well, this week we're doing the brand new you part two, and we're going to talk about all the good things. We're going to talk about what the new you is supposed to look like. What Paul is telling the church of Colossians, the Colossae to, to focus on. And this morning we're going to focus on that, so I'm just going to go ahead and read that. If you have your Bibles, we're in Colossians 3. And we're going to be reading today, we're going to be focusing on verses 12 through 17. It says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has complaint against one another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whether you, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now, Lord, and Lord, we just um, thank you, Lord. We thank you for an awesome worship set. We thank you for a, a, a glorifying service we're having so far, Lord, where you are the main center, Father God. We came to worship you this morning, Lord. We didn't come here to, to hear the worship team. We didn't come here to listen to me. We didn't come here to just get out of the house, but we came here to worship you this morning, Lord. Lord, this morning, I want you to open our hearts and open our ears to what you have for us. Lord, that what, how we can become the new you in Christ, Father God, what that looks like. And Lord, I ask that whenever we hear this word this morning, Lord, that we can take it and we can apply it to our lives and we can go out and further spread the kingdom that you are wanting us to spread, Father. Lord, I pray right now that you empty myself of me, fill me with your Holy Spirit so I deliver the words that you want to be said this morning. Lord, we thank you and we love you. In your heaven, let me pray. Amen. For anybody that knows me, uh, this past summer, I worked at uh, JJ's Concrete. Um, in my life, I've had, I have a different 
summer job almost every summer. I don't know, and it's not because I get fired after every job. I just like to do different things, okay? Um, but at JJ's, uh, Dad got me on there, and they were going to have me do what we call precast work. I had no idea what that was, and I said, sure. I knew Nate and Jan, and I said, That's, they, they sound okay to work for. So I said, yeah, sure, I'll do it. Well, going in, Dad was kind of giving me a little bit of, uh, uh, little bit of what kind of happens with precast and everything. But uh, one thing I didn't know is that I was going, okay, first off, I'm dealing with concrete. So, I, for, I, you know, I didn't think I was going to get super dirty. I just didn't think so. I, I was going to be working right there at the plant on concrete pads. I mean, I, I really just didn't think I was going to get dirty. But one thing I found out on my very first day there, I got filthy. I mean, I got, I got more dirty at this job than I ever had at any other job I've ever had. And I would leave work feeling absolutely disgusting. If you know me too, I take at least two showers a day, sometimes three. And I wash my hair at least three times a day. I, it's super weird, I know, but that's just how I am. I hate feeling gross, all right? So, what, so after work, um, I would have my work clothes on. I usually wore the same T-shirt because I was tired of ruining T-shirts. So I just wore the same one every day. I washed it every day, but I just wore it every day. And I wore the same pair of jeans. Well, what, what I didn't know about working at JJ's was that you were going to uh, put forms up, concrete forms, all right? But I knew we were going to use concrete forms, but what I didn't know is that you have to spray what we call form oil on the concrete form so the concrete doesn't stick to it. You spray the oil on there, and then the concrete will slide down and spread out evenly. This form oil caused more problems in my summer than anything else. I would get done from work, and I would be, my pants would feel slimy. My skin would feel like, it was just awful. It Working with form oil was also kind of like tanning oil. When you get the form oil on your skin, then the sun would act as it was tanning oil. So I was super tan. I mean, that's not a bad thing, but, you know, it's, um, the form oil just made me feel gross. The part I looked forward to every single day was coming home and taking off those work clothes. Absolutely loved that part of the day because then I could take it off, jump in the shower, get out, feel brand new, feel refreshed, feel relaxed. Well, as I'm telling you guys this, I was trying, you know how I like to do illustrations to kind of start, to kind of bring it back around. I think that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the brand new you. Whenever we, whenever we are, are kind of acting like and we're living the life that we talked about a month ago, when we're living in anger and we're living in malice and we're living in different things like that, we kind of feel gross. We feel like things aren't really going right and we may feel like, you know, just consciously we just feel like, ugh, you know? But whenever we accept Christ into our life and we start renewing our lives, whether that is every single day or maybe, maybe every week, however, however many times you need to just get you a spiritual renewal, every time you do that, you feel, you feel jacked, you feel relaxed, you feel pumped, you feel excited, you feel brand new. I can't tell you how many times in my life where I've been um, on a Christian retreat or worked a camp or maybe just even the praise and worship set that we had up here where I get done and I just feel renewed. I feel relaxed. I feel like I'm where God wants me. I feel like I'm right there with God. And that's the feeling I want everybody here to experience. 
because it's a feeling that I can't describe to you in words. It's a feeling that I can't spell out on paper. It's a feeling I can't put down on this piece of paper. It's a feeling that you have to allow God in your life to work on you. And when you feel that feeling, then you'll know what I'm talking about. And you'll understand that it's something so far greater than anything you've ever experienced in your life. But we're going to talk about these things. And I broke, I broke your sermon notes down into three things. And for the brand new you, there's things that we need to put on. There's things that we need to let guide us. And there's things that uh, I'm going to tell you how the new you looks after you have all this on. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to jump right into this. And we're going to talk about what we are to put on. Putting on these things. First off, it says in uh, verse 12, it says, put on then. Okay, so we're talking about put on then. But then it's talking about who or who is he talking to here. Put on then as God's holy people, as God's chosen people. Ephesians 1 verse 4 says, Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we may be holy and blameless before him. He chose us in him. He knew that we were going to be believers in him. And because he chose us, he adopted us as sons and daughters for him. We are God's chosen people. People that, the believers, the ones that accept Jesus into their life, that's who we're talking about here. That could be me and you in here this morning. That, could, that may not be you in here this morning. But I hope by the end of this, that can be you. It said when we talk about God's chosen people, it's anyone who is being made new in Christ. Because Jesus, because of Jesus, we are holy and beloved. And we'll talk about that more as we go on. But because of Jesus, we... God, Paul can say, we are holy and beloved. Because on our, on our own, in our flesh, we are wretched, pitiful, blind, and naked. We are nothing. We are nothing. We, there's nothing we can do that when God looks down, if he's looking just at Josh, at all the great things that Josh does, and all the bad things that Josh does, he looks down upon me, and he does not say, holy and beloved. On my own, looking at the flesh, he does not say holy and beloved. But what he does do is he looks down upon me after I have accepted Jesus into my life because Jesus died on the cross for me. He can look at me and say holy and beloved because he sees the blood of Jesus covering my sins. He sees that that perfect sacrifice was made. Therefore, we're chosen people, holy and beloved. Holy and beloved. I don't know if you've ever thought of yourself like that today, but we are holy and beloved if we have accepted Jesus into our lives and we're making him the Lord and Savior of our lives. So this is talking to those people, okay? It's talking to us, talking to us as believers. What are we supposed to put on? We are supposed to put on compassionate hearts, okay? There's a lot of different words that they're throwing at us today and I'm going to give you the definition of all these words so you know what it kind of looks like. Compassionate hearts. Compassionate hearts... Compassionate means sympathetic, pity, and concern for the sufferings or misfortunate, more, misfortune of others. Okay, so you have a, uh, a sympathetic pity and concern for the misfortune of others. All of us have been affected somehow by something that is hard. Something that struck our lives that we didn't really expect was going to happen. And we all go through tough times. And all of us have seen people go through tough times and we felt for them. Sometimes we don't know what to say, but we feel for them. We may give them a hug. We may tell them we're praying for them. We may tell them we love them. That is what compassionate hearts are. So the new, the new us, 
is supposed to have compassionate hearts. If you see your brother or sister struggling and you just, eh, okay, well, you know, get better. That's not what we're called to do. We're called to be there for each other. We're called to feel for one another. When you hurt, I hurt. Going through uh, this week and the, the uh, tragedy that happened with the, the Ginrick family and losing, the, losing their uh, brother and uncle and uh, son and everything, it, just, it, it, it really got me. I never really felt anything until I came up here and see a family hurting. And I had compassion for them. I felt for them. I hurt. That's, that's what we are called to do, is have compassionate hearts. Second Corinthians Second Corinthians verses one, three to four says, "Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God." On our own, we can't comfort people. I always tell people whenever they go through viewings or something, like, I just don't know what to say. Be there. God comforts you in your times. Use that comforting that he gives you and show it to other people, just like they tell us here in in 2 Corinthians. The second thing they tell us to put on is kindness. Kindness is the quality of being friendly, generous, or considerate. Friendly, generous, or considerate. How many people in here struggle with kindness? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to see I do, though. Sometimes I just honestly don't feel like being kind. If I wake up in the morning, don't talk to me unless I've had my coffee yet. I won't be very kind, okay? Kindness comes with practice. Practice makes, sometimes you can fake kindness. Sometimes you can fake kindness. I always tell people that being fake kindness isn't a bad thing because even when we don't want to be kind, we need to be kind, because whenever we are kind, we, we see that it affects other people. Whenever somebody's going through a hard time, and I'm not kind to them, or if somebody... You know, one, thing I, one thing I can't stand is when I'm going down the hallway, and, and, and I understand this, I'm not bashing little kids or anything, but when I'm going down the hallway in school and I say, hey, so-and-so, and they just go... <laughs> I'm trying to be kind, I'm trying to say hi to you, but I understand it's morning and they don't want to be at school, you know, but... Being kind, saying hi back to somebody. We're trying to work with the kids at Bar Reeve about saying hi back to a teacher whenever they say hi to you, okay? It, it, it's, a, it's a way of living. Kindness produces other kindness. They say smiles are contagious. If you just smile at somebody, they may smile. It may be because you have something in your teeth, but I don't know. Smiling is a way to get people to feel better about themselves, Luke 6.35 says, But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Okay, Josh, I get what you're saying. I need to be kind to people, but I have to be kind to that person? That person who's not very kind to me? That person that's mean to me? That person that's said mean things about me? Yeah. Yeah. Because Jesus was kind to everybody. People that hated him, he extended kindness to them. I always hear the, you always hear the, uh, the statement, kill him with kindness. You know, 
somebody says, somebody's mean to you, if you're just kind back to them, it may affect them. It may affect them. They may see, okay, well, here I am being a jerk to this person, and they're being nice back to me. Maybe I need to be kind to them. It may, maybe them, may make them examine themselves a little bit. Kindness to everyone we come in contact with is a sign of the brand new you. Humility. Humility. Humility is, the definition of humility is uh, a modest or low view of one's own importance. A modest or low view of one's importance. If you talk to my friends that I hang out with all the time, they would tell you that Josh struggles with humility. I struggle with humility. I, 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 subconsciously, I'm not a very confident person. In my mind, I don't think I do, I, I, I'm just not, I don't think I do very well. I don't, I don't think I succeed at things like I want to, or I am just very hard on myself. So publicly, I try to make it look like I'm bringing glory to myself because then it helps me out. Is that right? Not at all. Not at all. Humility is a part of being the new you. Philippians 2 Verse 3 to 11 says, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equally with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed him on the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to God the Father. You want an example of humility? Look at Jesus. This man was the son of God who sat at the right hand throne of God and he humbled himself and came down to live in our awful, wretched, sinful, pitiful world. He came and humbled himself and became us. That is humbleness. That is humility. That is what the new you should look like. Meekness, quiet, gentle, and easily imposed upon. Submissive. I'll be honest. I wasn't sure what meekness meant. I'm glad I looked it up. Quiet, gentle, and easily imposed upon. Titus 3.2 says, To speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. Gentleness. Not just jumping at somebody right away. Not always having to be the life of the party. Not always trying to, trying to say, look at me, look at me. You know, sometimes it's better to just be quiet. Sometimes it's better to be gentle. Sometimes it's easy not to impose on people, okay? Sometimes we just need to be okay with just being gentle, being in the Spirit, just calming down. I have a problem with that. Submissiveness. I have a problem submitting to authority sometimes, okay? Sometimes I want to be in charge, but we have to. We are called to meekness. Patience. The capacity to accept or tolerate, delay trouble or suffering without getting angry or upset. Patience. Everybody, nobody in here struggles with patience, so I probably don't need to tackle that one. Psalm 37, verse 7 through 9 says, 
Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the ones who prosper in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, for the evildoer shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Be patient. Sometimes we try to rush everything that we're doing. We try to rush God's plans that he has for us. We try to say, hey, I want to do this. Okay, so then I step out and I try to do it on my own. And then what happens? It blows up. Wait for the Lord, because it tells us right here in Psalms that those who wait for the Lord will inherit the land. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is uh, not holding grudges upon people. Whenever somebody does something wrong to you, you forgive. I'm telling you right now, there is nothing in this world that somebody can do to you that is not worth forgiving. Because the ultimate forgiveness was given to us by God. If God can look down upon Josh and say, Josh, you have sinned against me. You have chose uh, the world over me so many times. You have slapped me in the face. You have, you have cursed my name. You have done so many wrong things in your life. But guess what? I forgive you. I forgive you. That should make all of us feel like there is nothing, nothing here that is not worth forgiving. Because if we weren't forgiven, we would suffer eternal punishment in hell. Matthew 6.15 says, I'm jumping all over the Bible because I want you guys to hear the word of God and not the words of Josh. Matthew 6.15 says, But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you of your trespasses. He forgave us. It's time that we extend forgiveness to Him. And the last thing it talks about is love. Love. We are to put on love. It says, Love binds all things. This is an agape love. This is a a brotherly love. This is a love that us as believers are to share to one another. Ephesians 5 verse 2 says, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Love is the motivating power behind all of these new things that we have. Every category, every characteristic I had mentioned here, love needs to be the motivating power behind all of that. If it is not, they will not work. You are kind to your brother because you love him. You are meek around people because you love them. You have compassionate hearts because you love them. You are humbling yourself because you love other people. But most importantly, all of those characteristics are involved because out of love for our God, we abide by what he tells us to do. If we say we love God and we love Christ, then these things that I have mentioned today are why we're, what we're going to do to show him thanks for that love. God, I love you, so I'm going to try to, I'm going to make my life reflect you. That is what binds all of us together. It binds everything together. Love. Now it says we are to let these things guide us. If you go farther on there, it says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Okay, so what is the peace of Christ? This peace in the Greek term means harmony among believers. Okay? Harmony among believers. Peace. Has anybody ever here 
Has anybody at Providence ever fought? I think so. Okay. I think we fought before. Okay. Has anybody in uh, their workplace ever fought? I think so. I think so. If we are going to be a body of believers, we are to have peace, the peace of Christ. And that peace of Christ is harmony. Harmony. Working together as one body. Working together as one body. As it goes on here, it says, rule in your hearts. The to term rule is Greek. The Greek word is brebeo, which means to direct or control or to umpire. I love that they threw that last part in there, to umpire, because I'm a big sports fan, and I know, what, know how that goes. Well, an umpire, when he's uh, umpiring the baseball game, he has control over that game. He can, he can say, that's a strike, that's a ball, you're out, you're safe, that's a home run, that's an out, that's a base hit. He has the power to do that. He has the power to control the game. In all honesty, if the umpire wanted a certain team to win, he could make that happen very easily. Very easily an umpire could do that. So to umpire, to make rule in our hearts, we are to give full control to God. And we are to give up our own agendas and follow with the peace of Christ that it talks about here and work in perfect harmony with one another. Are you ready to let the peace of Christ umpire your life? I'm here to tell you that if you let the peace of Christ umpire your life, things aren't always going to go your way. But I can tell you this, things are always going to go a better way than what you could ever imagine. So let that rule in your life. When he talks about here, he said, we are called in one body. We are called in one body. And he's not talking about this body. He's talking about the body of Christ. Whether you're Mennonite, you're Baptist, you're uh, Pentecostal, whatever, we are united in one body. In that one body, we have the same goals. We have the goal of furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have that goal of furthering his kingdom and bringing more people in. Yeah, we may differ on a few different things, We may think one thing's right than what another church thinks, but guess what? If we have the gospel at the center of everything that we're doing, we are one body. It doesn't matter whether you think you should get baptized by pouring or baptized by by dunking. It doesn't matter because God is at the center of the church. God needs to be the ruler of how we are to go. When we were getting this youth rally together, uh, me and Chris and Eric Miller, and we were, you know, we were talking about this, and we said, we want this to be non-denominational. We said that in our flyers. We want everybody to feel welcome because if it's just the Mennonites that are going to be trying to further the kingdom of the Lord, it's going to be hard. There's not as many of us. So let's bring in everybody else that may think maybe a little bit different than we are, but understand that Jesus came to uh, earth, died on a cross for our sins, and that is how we get to heaven. Let's just, bur- let's just power in numbers. Let's bring us all together. And then it says, and be thankful. Be thankful for what? Be thankful for everything. Be thankful for everything that comes into our lives. Sometimes I think we're just thankful for uh, blessings that come into our life. But how many times are you guys thankful for trials that you face? How many times are you thankful for that one person that may be in your life that maybe challenges you a little bit? 
How thankful are you if your car breaks down on the way to work? We're told in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 that we are to be thankful for all things. And if we are thankful for all things, then things will start seeming a lot better in our lives. And we can see that Christ is working in all things. What else, are we allowed, what else should we let guide us? The Word of Christ. It talks about right here, it says, Let the Word of Christ dwell in you. We're obviously talking about this, the Word. How many times are you in the Word during the week? It says that we are to dwell. What does dwell mean? Dwell means to think, speak, write, or read at length on a certain subject. Okay? Do we think, speak, write, and read at length the Word of God? That is what dwelling is. When you dwell on something, you spend time in it. You spend time with it. You spend time talking about it. Lost the picture. Where we, you spend time in the Word of God. And then it says to dwell richly. To dwell richly. What does richly mean? I love Dove chocolates. I love Dove chocolates. Okay, there's, there's a, there was a time I went to my buddy Ryan's house and I literally ate... 13 Dove chocolates in less than four minutes. Well, the reason I love Dove chocolates is because the chocolate is so rich. You can just taste every single bit of it. It just, I just love the richness of the Dove chocolates because it is so pure. It is so uh, chocolatey, I guess you could say. Okay? I love Dove chocolates for the simple reason that it's the richest chocolate you can buy that's, you know, in a bag. Okay? So it tells us to dwell richly. Dwell richly in that. So if we are to dwell richly, we are to be pure in the word. We are to be honestly just searching with everything we got. Being so into the word that it just becomes richly involved in our lives. It becomes intertwined into our lives. Then it says we are to teach and admonish. Listening and telling others about the word of God. We listen here every Sunday. But how many times do you guys listen to the Word whether you're not here? You can listen on the radio. You can listen to podcasts. You can sit here and read the Word of God out loud and get just as much out of that than listening to me or Kevin or Eric or whoever's up here. You can get just as much out of that just listening to the words that you're reading. Then it says admonishing. Once again, my college education failed and I wasn't quite sure what I admonished meant. So I looked it up, and it says to advise, urge, or warn somebody earnestly. So we are to be teaching the word, but we are, ask, act, we are also trying to be admonishing to others, warning others about things in their lives that may not be great, helping other people, telling them about what is going on in their lives, telling people what's going on in our lives. Sometimes we just become so closed books that we won't let anybody else in. And to admonish other people, we are to warn them. We are to help them. Then it says, worshiping in song. God loves when we sing praises to Him. God loves when we sing praises to Him. I don't care if we're singing with electric guitars or drums or if we're singing out of those hymnals. God is, loves the fact that we are worshiping in Him. And then with thankfulness in our hearts. Just like we talked about a while ago. Being thankful for everything that we have. How the new you looks, actions, 
we're going down to verse 17. It says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to the God, the Father through Him. Our actions, okay? Our actions are important. I wrote down in here that sometimes we, sometimes we focus so much on, uh, you know, what, what, what's important? Is it faith or is it works? What are we supposed to do on? Sometimes we get people that are, that are so focused on faith that they think they don't need the works. And then we get some people that think they're so focused on the works that we forget about the faith. Well, here's what I'm telling you. Works come through faith. If you have true faith, works will come. So your actions are important. James 2, verses 14 to 17 says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. The gospel of Jesus Christ, if you truly have it in your heart, works will be something you want to do. Works will be seen. You will see fruits of your Christian life. James 1, 23 to 25 says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. We as believers need to focus on our actions. What we do, what we say, that is important. What we say... Focusing on our words. Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that is uplifting to others and glorifying to God. Watch our words. Watch our words. They have the power of death and the power of life. Choose your words carefully. Now, as we talked about the new you today and we talked about things that we are to do, there's one important thing that we need to realize. I could give you this whole list of things and say, listen, work on this. Let me know how you did Sunday. If I just did that and told you guys to go out, work on your humility, work on your meekness, work on your humbleness, work on everything. If I told you to do that, guess what would happen? All of you would come back in here on Sunday and you would say, hey, Josh, guess what? I failed. I didn't do, I didn't do all of that that you said. Didn't do any of it. Because if I left you with that and told you to go work on that, On your own, you can't do it. On your own, you cannot accomplish the brand new you. And Alex, here it comes. I told Alex I had a Saturday morning basketball example for him, and he got all excited. Saturday morning practice, when I used to go as a second grader, third grader, fourth grader, fifth grader, all the way up to sixth grade, one thing that I loved about Saturday morning practice, and I always strive for, and they still do it today, is... uh, well, first off, I could tell you everything that they're going to do before I even go into practice. It's the same thing every morning, two hours. Why fix it if it ain't broke? But I didn't like it as a third grader knowing I was going to go in and do pivots for 45 minutes. But I knew that during that time, I would have an opportunity to do something that I always strive to do. We do dribbling drills every morning. And whenever we're doing those dribbling drills, Albert Cavanaugh, he always asks somebody to be the example. He'll say, Josh, can you uh, demonstrate cut the floor and force for us? I'd say, okay, yeah, yeah. And I'd do it. And while they're doing that, everybody in the gym is watching 
And you're setting the example. You're being the one that's teaching them how to do it. And as a second through fourth grader, I would watch those guys that are doing the examples. I would watch the Ethan Nepps, the Trey Hughes, the, the, the guys like that that were very good at basketball. I would watch them do it, and I would focus on every little detail that they were doing so I could do it just right. So then someday, I may be the guy that everybody's watching out there doing the dribbling drills. I wanted to be that example. But here's how it is. Imagine our Christian life as a Saturday morning basketball practice. And we want to do the things we, that we need to do to become a good basketball player. But sometimes we need to watch the example to know how to do that. Well, just like we had our examples in Saturday morning practice, we have our examples in our Christian life. And that example is Jesus Christ. Everything that Jesus, that, uh, that we talked about today, Jesus exhibited somewhere in his Christian walk. Examine the life of Jesus. See how Jesus worked. See how Jesus did those things. And then, by his Holy Spirit living in you, you too can walk in that newness of life that Christ walked here on earth. Are we going to walk it as perfectly as he did? No. No, we're, we're not. We're going to fail. But why would we not strive for that ultimate example? Why would we not base our life example off the one who lived the perfect life? So this morning, we, ex- we are going to be talking about that life, and we're going to be examining that life, and how God, or how Christ came to earth, and he died on the cross for us, showing the ultimate example of sacrificial love for us. And we're going to be recognizing that this morning in communion. He came in and he sat with his his disciples and he told them, this is right before Jesus is about to be uh, crucified. And he, he he is sitting there telling his disciples basically kind of what he's going to do. My body is broken for you. My blood is poured out for you. We are to be thankful for everything that happens in our life, but the most thing that we can be thankful for is this. The reason that we can be the new you and that we can strive to be the new you and we can ultimately accomplish to be the new you is because of what we're going to do this morning. Because of what this symbolizes, this bread and this uh, juice symbolize the reason why we are here. The reason why we can sing the song that says for 10,000 years and then forevermore. Christ is our example. Christ is the only way we can become the brand new you. Christ is the only way we can exhibit these characteristics that were listed, listed here this morning.